Hi, welcome back. This is Rose. We are on the Running Unopposed podcast. Uh, we apologize for the slight audio issues in the last one. Uh, I got a new microphone, though, folks, so hopefully it should all be fixed. And uh, if it's not fixed, Gabe here will tell me, and I'll fix it, and you'll never hear this. All right, let's get going. All right. Today we should we got a quick, nice one-parter after, you know, sort of continuing to cool down after our long series on that Irish guy. So, do you remember the nickname Cocaine Mitch from Mitch McConnell? Yeah. Well, today we're covering the guy who came up with it, Don Blankenship. Yes. Donald Leon Blankenship was born on March 14th, 1950, in a town literally called Stopover. Leon? Yes, his middle name is Leon. He doesn't look like his he could have been Leon Blankenship. What did you expect like his, his middle name, name to be? Uh, I was thinking maybe like uh, Ronald or something, so he could be Donald McRonald. Donald McRonald, okay. No, but seriously, I, I would have expected something like Thomas or like Gerald. Yeah, I will say before we start on this, listener, this is probably the most litigious person we've ever covered on this podcast. So I'm being pretty careful to about my. I mean, I'm always pretty careful about my sourcing, but this time it's like, I, I'm going to be extra, extra careful so we don't get sued. Um, okay. Stopover is in Kentucky, right on the border with West Virginia. His parents decided to cross that border and move to Delorme, West Virginia, right on the border still. Uh, Don Blankenship is so abolition that his mother, Nancy McCoy, is a literal McCoy of the Hatfield-McCoy feud. For anyone who isn't familiar... It was a feud between the Hatfield and McCoy families of Appalachia that lasted almost 30 years and killed upwards of 10 people. Really wild stuff here. It's a fun story. I recommend you look it up. It involves moonshine, the Civil War, a guy named Simone Bolivar. Really, really great stuff. We should cover it for the podcast at some I, point. Yeah, we maybe, maybe we will. Uh, listener, write in, running on a postpod at gmail.com and yell at us if you want us to cover the Hatfield-McCoy feud. Or if there's anything else, anything else or anyone else you want to cover. Yes, we are taking us. suggestions. Uh, Blankenship yeah. was born as the result of an affair and never met his biological father. His mother filed for divorce, and that's when they moved to West Virginia. So already two men have abandoned Don Blankenship, and he is still an infant. His biological father and his legal father. Uh, really a sh Shakespearean stuff here. That doesn't feel like a good way to begin your life. No. Um, that being said, I think both of those men kind of dodged a bullet. Because imagine having Don Blankenship as your child. Well, for all we know, he wasn't a bad kid. He might just be, have just been an evil adult. No, nah, I'm sure he was an evil kid. Maybe, but he didn't have power is the thing, so. Yeah, I'm just going to allege, based on, I did no research about his childhood other than what's in the script. I'm just going to say he was an evil child. <laughs> Dude, you, want, uh, you definitely want to be careful. Yeah, actually, you know what? Never mind. We're retracting that. Um, he, I have no idea what he was like as a child. I think he was probably an evil child, but I can't prove it. Yeah. Because, yeah, he will sue us. Oh, definitely. He'll probably sue us even if it is all factual, which it is. I mean, I'm being sued by him already, so, I mean, might as well. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> he actually one way or another, put so a bug well. on my computer. Uh, so for the last version of this that we tried to record that was too staticky to release, uh, he actually heard that and has already sued me in six different district courts across the U.S. So, I mean, if we're fucked, then, I mean, we're yeah. already fucked, so why just might as well just go for it, right? Yeah, listener, uh, please uh, DM at ApposedPod on Twitter to figure out how to help with our legal fees. Uh, we are being sued for $15 million by Don Blankenship. I love the idea of putting on like- $1 million for every regular listener we have. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the idea of somebody just putting on their Instagram or Twitter bio, or even better, like Tinder or Lex saying, click here to read about my lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Click here to, to help me not get lose my house. <laughs> Just going um, on, yeah. Just going on like Hinge, and you just see two links on the top. It's click here for my thirst traps. Click here for my lawsuit. <laughs> I have a special Instagram account dedicated to my lawsuit. <laughs> Don uh, Well, his mother runs a convenience store, and that makes them enough money for her to send him to Marshall College or Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. 
He works in a unionized coal mine. That's important. Keep that. Keep in mind that he worked at a unionized coal mine, listener, because unions and coal mines will come up later. (laughs) It's about ironic that Uh, he he was in the union. Yes, he worked. I don't know if he was in the union or not, but it was a unionized coal mine. Gotcha. Um, he worked there between semesters. He gets his degree in accounting in 1972. Marshall University later declared him their most distinguished alumni, which, while probably too true, is not something I would brag about, considering he's Don Blankenship. We still have not explained why that is bad yet, but we will get to it. Don't, Don't worry. worry, listener. We'll get there in like two minutes. Don't worry, guys. Um, it gets way worse. Yeah, don't worry. He becomes a real monster. Um, eventually, his mother's store starts to decline, and Don decides that the real culprit is not the general economic downturn of the area, but take a guess what he thinks it is. Uh, big government. Correct. Desegregate. High taxes. Oh, oh I was segregate gonna... desegregation. I, no, I, I, that's what Christ. I thought you, you were going to say or something. I, because you no, didn't say uh, yes right away. As far as I so know, I thought... he never expressed an opinion on segregation. Okay, because uh, I didn't you... look though. To be clear, segregation doesn't really come up in this episode. Gotcha. But you didn't say yeah. yes right away, so I was like, "Oh, what well, was something that was going on like late '60s to mid '70s? Oh, wait, busing—that was a thing. Okay, maybe yeah. he was mad about that." Yeah, between 1972 and 1982, uh, I found a source that said he worked for quote two baking companies. But since he was an accountant, I assume it meant banking companies. I'm assuming it's baking. Baking baking companies still need accountants. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he worked as an accountant for like. A bread distributor. What's the company or that makes the donuts they have in CVS? Entenmann's. Yeah, maybe he worked as their accountant. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. God, that's got to be the trashiest thing you can possibly buy. Donuts from CVS. They're not bad. I don't think I've ever had them. Really? Yeah, I've never been so. I I. You know, I've never been so ashamed of myself that I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy donuts from CVS. To be fair, I just don't like donuts in general. Why? I don't think they're very good. There's nothing wrong with buying donuts from CVS. They're cheap. And I mean, you know, they're not. No, donuts they don't taste are bad. bad. No, donuts, donuts are so good. good. They're, you're wrong. Donuts are great. They're not good. They're better than uh, potato anyways. chips, I'll say. Huh? They're better than potato chips, in my opinion. Potato chips are also bad. Potato chips are good. No, potato chips are bad. Listen, you're wrong email, on potato DM chips. the podcast at a post pod with your opinion of potato chips. You're wrong on potato chips. You're wrong on donuts. And you're wrong about bacon. Bacon's also bad. Yeah. Yeah. You're wrong about bacon. Yeah. Like I, I stopped eating pork for like religious reasons, but like, yeah, bacon, even when I was eating pork, bacon sucks, dude. The only pork I actually miss is the Chinese barbecue pork, the char siu. That stuff is amazing. I don't, I think bacon, I don't think it's high quality, but I think it's tasty. No, it's bad. It's It tastes good. No, it doesn't. Well, you're wrong. Anyways, in 1982, play, again, listener, DM at a post pod. What do you think of bacon? And please tell Rose why she is wrong. Don't be yeah. ashamed. I'm going to get like 15 DMs of being like, you fucking Jew. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, in 1982, Blankenship joins Massey Energy Company, the sixth largest coal production company in the United States by weight. And here he encounters something that has irked many subjects of this podcast. Um, uh, government regulations and uh, laws against bribery. Yes, but not in the not what I was looking for. Okay. Take two. Um, is were either of those correct or now? The first one was correct, but it wasn't the answer I was looking for. And he's still in the coal industry at this point. Yes, he's just started working in the coal industry. Uh, let me guess. Uh, he's very angry about regulations that basically say you can't just dump toxic sludge into whatever river you want. He is angry about that, but I was looking for unions. Oh. The Appalachian mining industry has a long and quite bloody history of labor struggles. Uh, unions were violently attacked by local government and private militias hired by companies. Uh, you know, Battle of Blair Mountain, all that stuff. Um the U.S. at one point deployed the Air Force, I think, again, like planes against striking workers. Uh, striking workers sometimes fought back and killed like security guards and stuff. This is like it's, it's too much to get into the whole history, but it's a bloody history. So that's the background. Blankenship spearheaded the push by Massey Energy against the United Mine Workers Union when they went on strike in 1984, demanding a standardized wage and benefits. 
Massey Energy, on the behest of Don Blankenship, said the union had to negotiate with all 14 subsidiaries of Massey separately, arguing they were different companies, even though they were all owned by Massey. Real piece of work, this guy. Real piece of work. I assume that was just a ploy to drain the financial resources of the unions through protracted uh, uh, mediation. Yes, of course it was. You're completely right. That's what it was. Um, Massey Energy also went all out against the strike. They they sent in hired goons. Uh, They got politicians to get the state police to escort scabs across picket lines. Um, I didn't find any videos of it, but I imagine it's like that scene in Sorry to Bother You where the riot police just club the shit out of the protesters so that Cassius can get through into the building. I've never seen that movie, so I don't know what you're talking you about. You should see that movie. It's one of the best like satire movies ever. Is it better than uh, Ex Machina? Yeah, it's it's a per- I consider Sorry to Bother You basically a perfect movie. Really? Yeah, it's so good. Hmm. Listener, that's Rose's, that's Rose's task for you for the week is go watch Sorry to Bother You. Is it better than Inception? Yes, by a million years. I just said that because I know you hate that movie. It's not a good movie. I don't like Christopher Nolan. This is not the... Yeah. You can ask for my letterboxd if you want my movie opinions, Gabe. For now, we got a podcast. Fair enough. Uh, There were attack dogs, helicopters, armed guards, all this stuff. One witness ironically said, quote, this is something you would see in another country. I don't know why they're they're southern coal miners. Just go with it. Uh, The UNW president. Yeah, West Virginia is sort of the south. Not really. No, it's more of a town thing. Uh, the UMW president, Richard Trumka, amazing name, didn't order a general strike across the whole union, uh, but he encouraged the ones at Massey to keep doing civil disobedience. This failed, and the strike was called off in late 1985, with hundreds of miners either fired or forced back on worse terms. By 1988, Massey had closed down all but five of their facilities that had union members. One strategy he also pioneered was personally union busting himself. He would go into the coal mines and sweet-talk the workers into not supporting the union vote. Sweet-talk them, strong-arm them, bribe them, whatever it took. Did he really bribe them? Yes. Allegedly. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, He would do this later at the Upper Big Branch Mine, which is more what he's known for. Uh, Blankenship, of course, felt he was the real victim in all of this because his car windows and fender got smashed. He was quite paranoid during the strike, as this quote from WEVEC, a local NBC affiliate, shows, quote, Blankenship keeps an old TV set with a bullet embedded near the dial next to his desk, a reminder of the strike when he never slept in the same bed two nights in a row. Uh, I don't know where the bullet in that TV came from. It's worded in such a way to imply that, like, a union member shot up his house or something, but there's nothing in the article that says that. And there's nothing about union members shooting up his house or shooting up anyone. The union members did possibly kill this one guy security guard, but there's also some evidence to suggest it was a setup by the company. So I don't want to completely say one way or the other. When you said that he never slept in the same bed two nights in a row, I'm imagining that like, but that he doesn't leave his house and he's just like that. This one conspiracy theorist, and I'm not making this up. I shit you not. Oh yeah, who Jeff Boss, had, who literally had a tent in his house. Oh yeah, yeah, Jeff Boss. <laughs> yeah. God, we gotta get Jeff Boss on the podcast. Uh, I don't want to. Why not? I don't know. I feel I just I don't know him a lot. Of, I feel like a lot of these types of people would end up hijacking it. Yeah, that's a fair point. Well, I, I could cut around it. It's not live. True. So anything he says that we don't want a platform, I just cut. True. Yeah. All right, Jeff Boss, if you're listening, get in contact at OpposedPod on Twitter. Um, anyways, uh, the other thing is I like to imagine Blankenship dip, just Travis Pickled and just shot the TV when he got mad about something. But, you know, I suppose we'll never know for sure unless we ask him. Uh, uh, but he won. Massey managed to keep unions out of its workforce. Uh, all but five of their companies... Uh, was it all but five of their mines were completely union free that's impressive i mean not impressive in a good way but it's impressive nonetheless yeah um he gradually got promoted through the company uh throughout the 80s until 1990 when he became president of the company which was a big deal because up until then the president had always been a member of the massey family he doubled their coal reserves by 2005 until the company held about a third of all reserves in the kentucky west virginia area in 2005, it had 44 million tons of coal in annual sales. How did he accomplish this? Two ways. First, 
Have you heard of surface mining, Gabe? Yeah, is that where you basically like blow the mountaintop off uh, the mount the mountaintop away? No, that's mountaintop removal mining, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, surface mining is where you mine close to the earth as opposed to underground. Uh, it's much cheaper because you don't need as much equipment, but it's really bad for the environment and human health. Uh, it throws a bunch of nasty particles into the air. It destroys natural landscape and thus animal habitats and arable farmland. Uh, and it can lead to sinkholes and flooding. So overall, uh, it, there's also further risk depending on what you're mining. For example, sulfide surface mining involves a process leads to a process called acid leaching, which as a byproduct produces hydrogen sulfide gas, which is poisonous. I was going to say when as soon as you said acid leaching, I kind of assumed it wasn't good. Yeah, I and listen, anytime I come across a phrase like acid leaching when I'm researching some sort of scientific thing, that's when I know I've encountered something bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other big method Bass used was what Gabe said earlier, mountaintop removal mining. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. They remove the top of a mountain with explosives to reveal coal seams. Uh, then they just dump all the extra rocks and soil in a valley or river or stream and call it a day. Which just ends uh, up like, walking off the stream completely and just yes. like basically gets rid of it. Mm -hmm. Shockingly, this is terrible for the environment. These massive explosions and subsequent dumping lead to water pollution, soil acidification, air pollution, and so much more. Um, it cannot be overstated how bad this is for the environment and thus for the people who live there. Uh, they'd also fill in streams, like we said, removing sources of fresh water for people in those areas. It's a cartoonishly evil practice, listener. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... I, he also might have been on the board of the Chamber of Commerce. I found several websites saying he was up until 2010, but all the archive links to the Chamber of Commerce website were broken, so I couldn't confirm it. Uh, he spends the rest of the 90s continuing to destroy the natural beauty of North America in pursuit of profit, scarring a beautiful landscape and poisoning rivers. The company IPO'd in 2000 to great success, raising Blankenship's profile further. Uh, it pays to destroy the environment and poison rivers. Uh, it's debatable how effective Blankenship was as CEO. As one investor said in 2005 of Massey, It's amazing what the combination of financial leverage and a rising commodity price will do for the value of an equity. For those of you who don't speak finance, equity is essentially how much a company's shares are worth. He was basically saying that Massey was only doing well because coal prices were high and they had a lot of money behind them. Which might be true. I couldn't really figure it out. Uh, my my financial knowledge is somewhat limited, listener. Is this when the lawsuits start coming? Uh, start piling up? No, the lawsuits will come later. Don't worry. The lawsuits are already happening. They're just not really political. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, the lawsuits at, around this time are he's disputing uh, various fines that the company is receiving. Just based uh, on, like... for all kinds of things: safety violations, environmental regulation violations. If you can think of some kind, if you can think of a type of mining regulation, Massey Energy under Don Blankenship probably violated it several times a day. Yeah, probably. They they literally were getting like thousands of fines, like hundreds per year. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's grim. They were getting hundreds per year, sometimes like per facility per year. Per facility. <laughs> Yeah, they were getting so many violations. <laughs> um, Blankenship also starts to become active in politics around this time, throwing considerable cash at causes he favors. He claims he was an opponent of the Iraq War, and I did find some tweets about it. I didn't find evidence of him voicing opposition to it back in 2003 when it, you know, mattered. So, you know, maybe he personally opposed it back then. I don't know. But he certainly didn't do anything publicly. Also, it's too... He wasn't a politician, so him just being opposed to the Iraq War, it's not like that would have stopped it or anything. No, but he had a lot of money in 2003. He could have put some money to try to, like, fund some stuff. I don't know. He could have done yeah. something. Yeah. So, you know, he was opposed to it, but not enough to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, however, something he did spend enough about was to elect this guy, Brett Benjamin, to the West Virginia Supreme Court in 2000. Brent Benjamin, sorry. To the West Virginia Supreme Court in 2004. Uh, you want to know how much money he spent to do that? 
over a million dollars. Oh, well over a million dollars. Three point five million dollars. Three point five. Yes, Doctor Evil voice. Three point five million dollars. I don't know what Doctor Evil sounds like. You never got forced to watch the Austin Powers movies as a kid. No, wait. Who forced you to watch Austin Powers? I think I saw them at like a sleepover. How bad were they? They're not good. Oh, they're not good movies. Mike Myers isn't really funny. He just does silly voices and therefore convinces you he's funny. I don't even know who... I didn't even know... Is that who plays Austin Powers? Yeah. He went on to voice Shrek. Oh, I don't really know any... uh, I don't really know anything about Michael Myers, so... No, Michael Myers is the killer from Halloween. Totally different guy. Oh. Mike Myers is the comedian who played Shrek and uh, uh, Austin Powers. Well, Shrek is not great movies. Um... I don't know. They're sort of not great about women. <laughs> well, I mean, Shrek is cool. No, I meant the Austin Powers movies. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, like, like he gets some credit for Shrek. Yeah. I've never seen Shrek, but I think he looks funny. So I'm going to assume that it's a good, that it's a good yeah. movie. I, I like how it was supposed to be Chris Farley, but then Chris Farley died. So they had to replace him with Mike Myers. For Shrek or? Yeah. You can find some like audio footage of like what the voice originally sounded like, because uh, originally Mike Myers did it in like an American accent to try to be more like Chris Farley, and it sounds really weird. Yeah, Shrek is Scottish, right? Yeah, he's Scott. Yeah, Mike Myers has a Scottish accent for it. Is everyone Scottish in that movie, or just Shrek? No, I think it's just Shrek. I don't remember. I haven't seen the Shrek movie since I was a kid, Gabe. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You seem like Anyways. Of, you seem like the type of person to be uh, up to be uh, keeping up to date with Shrek lore pretty regularly. <laughs> Shrek lore. Have they made new Shrek movies since the third one? When did Shrek three come out? Like 2012, I don't know. That was the last one I saw though. We're getting way off topic. <laughs> uh, ben, Brent Benjamin, uh, the guy Don Blankenship paid to spent three point five million dollars to elect to the West Virginia Supreme Court. I was a newcomer to politics, and some of the billboards simply said, who is Brent Benjamin? In case you're wondering how Don Blankenship spent all this money, he started a nonprofit called For the Sake of the Kids, because he's a real stand-up guy, cares about the future of the world. That's why he poisons those children's rivers. They even funded free screenings of Shrek. <laughs> That's right. Don Blankenship loves the Shrek movies. Uh, every every interv- every time he gets interviewed, every like podcast interview of his I listen to for prep for this, he always says, uh, you know, if there's one thing I love, it's uh, those Shrek movies. I can't get enough of Mike Myers. What is that voice? Mm, that's kind of what he sounds like. Not we'll real. get into it later. Uh, anyways. The name is a reference to an ad Blankenship paid for, claiming that Warren McGraw, the incumbent judge, quote, released a pedophile to work in a local school. So he was doing, like, you know, groomer panic shit way before it was cool. Yeah, at that point, there was a lot of LGBT panic, but it wasn't really groomer panic at that point, was it? No, the LGBT panic, even back then, was very correlated with, like, their molesting your children stuff. No, it was definitely correlated, but I feel like they weren't as overt about it about it as they are now. No, they were pretty overt about it. Really, I feel like they were just talking a bit like more vaguely about like the homosexual agenda now, more like I feel like now they're more specific. Yeah, they were like they're trying to make your kids gay by molesting them. No, I'm not saying that wasn't a factor. I just think I just didn't realize that they were as overt back then as they are now. They didn't go into the details of it, but that was sort of the unspoken part. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Okay, um, now Benjamin they're just saying, won. Now they oh, are going sorry. into the details. Oh yeah, now they're going quite graphic. Uh, Benjamin won, being the first Republican to do so in 80 years. And this investment paid off for Blankenship, as Benjamin ruled in his favor during a case in 2008. It did go to the Supreme Court, and they rev- they ruled that um, because Blankenship had contributed so heavily to Benjamin's campaign, he had to recuse himself. Uh However, um, when the case went back to the West Virginia Supreme Court, they ca- they upheld the ruling. So Blankenship kind of won. Uh, the case actually began before the state Supreme Court election in 2004. So it could be argued that Blankenship realized he was going to lose the case and decided to spend several million dollars to pick a judge more favorable to him. In fact, I would say that's exactly what happened. As did Michael Tomaski, a journalist who said Blankenship was, quote, the man who successfully bought himself a Supreme Court justice in 2004. He's definitely not the only one to have done that, though. No, not at all. But he also vacationed in France with another judge on the West Virginia Supreme Court, again, while the case against him was ongoing. 
Who else has been doing that recently? Is is that like a thing I made up, or is that that's happening? No, Clarence right? Thomas. Clarence yeah, Thomas. Yeah, I know. It's a, yeah. It's, I'm being ironic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as I know, Don Blankenship does not collect Hitler memorabilia. As now far as I know. Thomas. Huh? No, but the guy oh, who's no, the guy, paying yeah. Clarence Thomas does. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Harlan Crow. And he's not even Which, like, like his... that's the most like segregationist name you could possibly have. And he's not even like a professional historian or anything, right? No, he just he just likes to collect Nazi stuff. He just thinks it looks cool. <laughs> That's kind of weird. It is weird. He, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, a journalist questioned uh, Blankenship about the fact that he was vacationing in France with a justice on the Supreme Court that was hearing a case against him. And uh, Blankenship's response was, if you're going to start taking pictures of me, you're liable to get shot. Blah, blah. So just. He didn't do the brat brat, did he? No, he did not. I just thought it would be funny to do. <laughs> so he's just shoot, so he's just threatening to shoot journalists now. Yes, uh, because none of it matters. There's not even the illusion that this isn't a corrupt system. Just blatant abuse of the justice system. No consequences. Happens a lot on this podcast, and uh, this one got to me. Uh, yeah. Although there are there were some things that happened the last few years that didn't go his way so uh we can laugh about that at least that's true don't worry we'll get to those at the end yeah because they're pretty recent uh i've got another anecdote that shows how nakedly evil this man is relating to his maid anyways his for in late 2005 his former maid a woman named deborah may applied for unemployment benefits she was denied because her company a company quote related to massey energy end quote claimed there was no just cause for her to quit in her court papers, she told a slightly different story. She was assigned to work for Blankenship in the early 2000s, cleaning his three-floor home, doing his laundry, and doing his shopping. By 2005, her duties had expanded to cleaning a bus, two cabins, and a second mansion, this one in Kentucky. That is a, was she the only one doing it? Yes. That is a lot. She was still being paid eight eighty-six an hour, which is 30 cents more than she was hired at. A uh, 30 cent raise to cover a workload that more than doubled. I wonder why he would do that, because it's not like Don Blankenship is like, you know, is, you know, short of cash. He can just hire more people. Yes, but he's notorious for using the legal system and I guess in this case, his financial leverage to be as vindictive and cruel to other people as humanly possible. Fair enough. Fair That's enough. like his thing. Uh, he also demanded she start taking care of his, quote, German police dog. And that's why she quit. So not only was Blankenship making this woman do the work of probably at least three people, he paid her next to nothing for it. And in continuation of his trend of fighting every single bill or lawsuit that comes his way, he did his best to deny her unemployment benefits. She didn't get them until 2008. And just to be clear, these were public benefits, right? He was not paying for these personally. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know how it works. I don't know how unemployment works in West Virginia. Mm. So it's Pot or Kentucky. I'm not sure which ones he was like registered in. Yeah. So I don't know which. Uh, I don't know how it works there. Okay, I'd assume it's public though. Yeah, probably. Um, now, I'd like to read the ending of an article in Business Week about this lawsuit because I think it perfectly captures the cosmic horror of Don Blankenship and the sort of Lovecraftian terror that I felt while researching this episode. That is um, an extreme way to put it. I, it really got to me. Um, quote, in a concurring opinion, two of the court's justices stated that the unrefuted evidence before the state unemployment agency showed that Blankenship, quote, physically grabbed the maid, threw food after she brought back the wrong fast food order, and tore a tie rack and a coat hanger out of a closet after she forgot to leave the hanger out for his coat. Wait, can I stop you right there? Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. Do what you want to know he... what fast food it was? Yes. What did he order? I don't know what he, he ordered, but I know it was from McDonald's. Oh, what do you think it, it was? I don't know. Do you, you think, think he was, he was like a McRiddle guy? I could Is see it... him being a McRib guy. McRib. I don't think I've ever had the McRib. Oh, he's definitely not a Nuggets guy. Why isn't he a Nuggets guy? I don't know. He just doesn't give me the type of person. He doesn't give me the vibe of somebody who enjoys chicken nuggets. What's the vibe of someone who enjoys chicken nuggets? Like under 10. <laughs> That's fair. It's so funny that um, they're called chicken nuggets if they're for children, but they're called chicken tenders if they're for adults, even though they're the exact same thing. No, they're different shape, different size. Or, sorry, different or texture. they're called boneless wings. 
and also the exact same thing as chicken nuggets. T- t- no, tenders are a different shape and size and texture. No, that's fair. Tenders are bigger, but boneless wings, they're literally just chicken nuggets. <laughs> like I got them once because I was curious and then I, they, I saw they were like breaded and I have, I was like, there's a chicken nugget. Mm. Was it good? Yeah. Huh? They're fine. Uh, yeah. I used to work in a place that had them. So that's why that's how I had them. Gotcha. But yeah, um, this shocking conduct showed that she was, in effect, fired because she felt compelled to quit, the justices said. They said the conduct was reminiscent of slavery and is an affront to common decency. Massey rose 58 cents to $46.72 at 4.15 p.m. in New York Stock Exchange Composite Trading. Their shares have climbed 11% this year. Because of the case? uh, I'm not saying their stocks rose because Don Blankenship abused his maid. However, the article does kind of imply that, the way it's set up. (laughs) Um, The last sentence really broke me. I don't know how dead inside you have to be to write about a man physically abusing and terrorizing his maid for years and then ending on his company's stock price. But Business Week found a way. Yeah, why are they making him sound so cool? Because, I don't know. Like, why do I think he's cool now? Do you, do you think he's cool because Massey's shares rose 11% in 2008? Yeah, I'm converted. Like, I'm going to... You're Don Blankenship-pilled? Yeah. Well, don't worry. He's still alive, so you can hang out with him I if feel like want. the term would be Blanken-pilled if, he, if, it Blanken became, if it became, like, internet lexicon. Yeah. Or part of the internet lexicon, I should say. Sorry about that, listener. We had a minor audio hiccup, but we're back now, and we're going to finish this out strong. So, to keep this one part... I'm not going to go into details of every single major environmental or safety regulation incident that occurred under Blankenship's watch at Massey, because there's so many. (laughs) There are so many, listener. Um, The Wikipedia page for Massey Energy covers a few of the big ones, but in short, they had an established pattern of ignoring environmental and safety regulations in pursuit of profit. And it worked. They generated huge revenues by cutting corners in these areas, uh, as well as aggressively laying off workers uh, and then working their remaining workers to the bone, uh, providing them with inadequate safety equipment, all in the name of poisoning their homeland. Uh, There was a $50 million cleanup effort they had to do uh, after a coal slurry spill. spill. There were hundreds upon hundreds of safety violations. Several employees died. And every single time... Every single violation, Blankenship fought it in court as long as he humanly could. So, just on the wrong side. Yes. There isn't much more I can say to that, honestly. Yeah, he's just just an evil guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is one disaster I'm going to talk about because it's relevant to his political career. On okay. April 5th, 2010, at the Upper Brig Branch Mine in Mont Cole, West Virginia, you know it's a coal mining area because it has coal in the name, uh, at 3.27 p.m., the unusually high and unsafe methane levels in the mine led to an explosion, killing 29 of the 31 miners working at the time. Methane levels were so high in the mine because Massey hadn't installed proper ventilation systems, as they were required to do by law. They cut corners and, in doing so, condemned 29 of their employees to die. That's that's the only way you could read this. A report from the investigation team said Massey even threatened to fire any miner who brought up safety questions. I just want to say something. Yeah, go for it. This -hmm. is why we need regulations, because big companies like this will cut corners and it ends up in, you know, these types of accidents. Yeah, this is why, like, libertarianism is a dumb ideology, because under libertarianism, those miners should have simply chosen to work at a different company. As if they don't have the right to work at a place that isn't actively trying to kill them. Yeah. This is an anti-libertarianism podcast. It's not. It's not. It's, it's I mean, it is, but not really directly. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, like, we are kind of an sense. argument against libertarianism because we show what happens when you don't put rules on rich people. <laughs> they kill people. Wait. Oh, I thought you said meant like us personally. I was going to say neither of us is the child of like... Is this like the child of an oligarch? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I was a little confused. Maybe you're not. Wait, are you? Yeah, my family are, have uh, deep connections within the Russian government. We do not, listener. Do not do 
do not contact me about the Russian government. I do not know. <laughs> yeah, my family's also not connected to the Russian government. I'm just paid by them. So yeah, it's not of course. A Dimit- of interest. Yeah, Dmitry Medvedev actually personally sends both of us a check for seven thousand dollars every month. Speaking of Dmitry Medvedev, have you seen what he's doing on Twitter recently? Yeah, he's trying to be a base Twitter guy. And it's not working. <laughs> no, it's not. He's like, uh, I, I can't even, I can't do was, his voice. I think it, the tweet was, why won't Ukraine exist because no one needs it or something? And it was yeah. just And it's like, I don't know, man. Like I think all the people of... who live there need it. <laughs> and not just that, but it, from what I can tell, it's going to continue existing. Like Russia isn't re- hasn't really advanced that far, have they? No, no, not really. They did for a while, but then they kind of got pushed back. So like, you know. yeah, yeah, they're not doing so great right now. The, there were some leaked reports, I don't know how reliable they are, that said Russia lost around 50,000 men uh, just taking Bakhmut. Um, and uh, if that's true, they're in not great shape. That being said, those those leaked reports might not have been... Sorry, this is not the, the Russo-Ukrainian war podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, should, I should try to stay on things. topic. Yes, this is the Don Blankenship experience. God, Don Blankenship would be so good on Rogan. Really? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think he's too monotonous. Yeah, that's true. He's not exciting. But you want to know something interesting? The Upper Big Branch Mine, where this explosion happened. Huh? You need someone more bro-y for Rogan. Yeah, that's true. Don Blankenship is a little too, like, rich. Not even just that he's... It's not a matter of being rich because Rogan is rich. Yeah, that's true. But Don Blankenship got rich by being a coal baron. Joe Rogan got rich by having a podcast. Yeah. And being a UFC Which announcer. I should look, I shouldn't insult him. That's the dream of everyone with a podcast. I was gonna say, like, if you could have Joe Rogan levels of money just by doing this, you you would you wouldn't pass that up, would you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I would have a fucking bunker where I do my where I lock myself in a room for every day to do research. Wait, why? Why can't you just do it at like a like in a in a house in a home office? Because if I have a, if I have that kind of money, I'm getting myself a work bunker. I would start doing this show live. I would become a radio. I would become a pirate radio DJ. I would just go all out. I no, would I force like the world to listen to my better. thoughts twenty four seven. No, pirate radio is too. It's too eighties. Yeah, that's true. I would be. I would just get on a. Ra- I would start my own radio station. <laughs> that's another way to do it. Yeah, they would just be running old episodes of Running Unopposed 24-7. I thought you were going to say old episodes of Rogan. <laughs> no. No, it would just be, it would alternate between music I like, old episodes of Running Unopposed, and uh, like 1940s radio serials. And also just you listing like bits that only you find funny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There would also be the Rose Variety Hour. <laughs> hey, if, if anyone knows, if anyone has like radio station money, hit, huh? It's an hour, variety hours. It's 9 to 5 at night. <laughs> 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. I stay up. <laughs> Eight hours of you just talking. I stay up all night ranting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and listener, if you happen to have radio station money, uh, hit me up at runningonapostpod at gmail.com. We'll, uh, we'll get something started. Yeah, you in act if in fact to, to stay awake forever, you have surgery done your adrenal glands, so that way they just be they're just perpetually uh, producing Adderall. <laughs> I get like I get that like Nazi meth chocolate. <laughs> Wait, I don't, but, no, but I, no, but this is eternal. Like, this is rewiring your body. This isn't just doing drugs. Oh, okay, so uh, yeah, all right, that works too. Can I get the Nazi meth chocolate though? I mean, like, if you're already, like, it's not, probably not going to have effect if you're already having your pitu- your uh, glands uh, re- uh, altered so that way they produce Adderall, uh, <laughs> it's actually. Like, it's like at the beginning of Neuromancer when he get when the rich people, like, make him get that surgery to, so he can do the job for them. It's like that. <laughs> Except my job is to be on the radio 24-7. <laughs> Fuck, we should have done that to Howard Stern. We should have Neuromancered him. <laughs> All right, anyways... Um, Upper Big Branch Mine in 2009 received 515 safety violations the year before which, and keep in mind, the explosion was in 2010. So the government knew something was up here, and I guess they just never followed up. And uh, 29 people died for it. So that's not great. Um, how did they Don make sure no one... But more importantly... Yeah, Don I don't want to say the government been... was totally innocent, but it's really Don Blankenship's fault. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fish stinks from the head. If your company systematically ignores safety regulations and then there's an explosion because of that, it's your fault. Yeah, you don't get off on a, te- on a technicality by saying like, oh, well, no one stopped me. It's like, yeah, they weren't shutting your operation down, but they're still giving you fines, which means you knew yeah. it was wrong. Also, like, if you go murder 29 people, your defense can't be, well, no one stopped me. <laughs> I didn't know it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way he got away with it this long was he made sure local politicians were afraid of Massey because Blankenship would spend millions to defeat politicians who didn't do what he wanted. And it worked for a while. Finally, in 2014, Blankenship was convicted of the... But you want to know what he was convicted of? One misdemeanor charge of conspiracy to violate federal mine safety standards. You want to know how long he served in prison? A year. A year. He served a year in prison for killing 29 people. Just think about that, listener. Imagine how long you'd get in prison if you killed 29 people. One person, let alone 29. Yeah. If you killed one person, think of how long you'd get in prison. And now think of how long Don Blankenship got in prison for killing 29 people. It just, blamed, it really gets to me. And then he blamed Obama and accused it of being a political witch hunt. Yes, of course. He said he was a political prisoner of the Obama administration. He said the investigation was rigged. All of it. He gets out in 2017 and decides to run for Senate in 2018. This is when I was first aware of Don Blankenship, who was known for his campaign ads. I'm going to play a few of them now, and we're going to discuss them. This one is called Don Blankenship's China People Cocaine Mitch Ad. Is that actually what it's called? That's what the YouTube video I have for it is called. Some of these are from other people who re-uploaded them. Some of them are from Don Blankenship's YouTube channel. Okay. I was going to say, that does not sound like it's from Don Blankenship. I posted it in the chat for you. Hi, I'm Don Blankenship, candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Swamp Captain Mitch McConnell has created millions of jobs for China people. While doing so, Mitch has gotten rich. In fact, his China family has given him tens of millions of dollars. Mitch's swamp people are now running false negative ads against me. They are also childishly calling me despicable and mentally ill. uh, The war to drain the swamp and create jobs for West Virginia people has begun. I will beat Joe Manchin and ditch cocaine. I will beat Joe Manchin and I will ditch cocaine Mitch for the sake of the kids. Yeah, I would like to point out this has very low production value. Oh, yeah, it's just him talking to the camera. At the end, he holds two children, who I'm assuming are his. I'm going to assume not, because he's about, he's close to 70 by this point. I don't think he has kids who are, like, six years old. He might. Some old guys just never stop having kids, or they have kids super late. I'm going to assume it's not, they're not his, though. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Let's check. How many kids does Tom Blankenship have? By the way, in the ad we just watched, he also, he is a uh, tone, his, uh, there is no inflection to his voice at all. No, none whatsoever. Does he even, does he blink once as either or? I don't think so. Yeah. He has two children. Are they adults? I don't know. It just says he has two children. I'm going to assume they're adults. Let, let me see. Uh, the article at links, I'm not seeing any searches for child, son, or, um, oh, wait, here we go. Wait, maybe? Oh, yeah, I have no idea. Eh, doesn't okay. matter anyway. Yeah, it's it's regardless. Uh, he also refers to, uh, says Mitch McConnell has created thousands of jobs for China people. Uh, the China people thing is uh, because uh, Mitch McConnell's wife is Taiwanese. <laughs> or from oh, Taiwan, Taiwanese American. But yeah. Um, and because Mitch McConnell is just as cartoonishly evil as Don Blankenship, he wouldn't even condemn the attack against his own wife, I remind you, as racist until the primary was over, just in case Blankenship won and he had to endorse him. Uh, Blankenship said the ad wasn't racist because he said, and I quote, and this quote is not great, listener, so I'm going to read it in my best Don Blankenship impression. There's no mention of a race. There's no race. Races are Negro, white, Caucasian, Hispanic, Asian. There's no mention of a race. I've never used a race word. So that's not the best defense of racism, or of being accused of racism. But, uh, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, the first term he used uh, is not one that we I don't think we say anymore. Yeah, I, I would not use that term if I was trying to defend myself from accusations of racism. Yeah. But hey, that's just me. Uh, this next one is called Don Blankenship's Trial, and it's a radio ad. 
Did you know that Don Blankenship's trial was not about the mine explosion? Really? You sure? Oh, yeah. The Obama judge wouldn't even let Don mention the explosion. Obama knew Don had nothing to do with the explosion, so he wanted to put Don in prison to hide the truth. Well, what was the trial about? Mostly about a letter that Don didn't even write. Obama tried to put Blankenship in prison for life over a letter he didn't write? Yeah. Actually, it was over a single sentence in a public letter. Wow. Life in prison for a single sentence. That's crazy. It sure is, but Obama's team couldn't get even one West Virginia juror to find Don guilty of any felony charges. 36 votes for Don, zero for Obama. West Virginians know that Obama was against them and Cole. They also know that Don fought back. I am voting for Don. Now that I know the truth, me too. I'm Don Blankenship, candidate for U.S. Senate. I approve this message. Paid for by Don Blankenship for U.S. Senate. So, yeah, Don Blankenship's trial where he just blames the government for uh, his mistake. Because, you know, libertarians are all about personal responsibility until it's time to take some. Then it's all the government's fault. Yeah. By the way, the I, I listened to the radio ad. That one's also terrible. Yeah, that's the radio ad. That's the one we were just discussing. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like uh that sounds like ter- uh two terrible actors talking to one another in a scripted conversation uh about why uh they should buy more Febreze. I mean, that is basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, also, I I found another ad that's with Don Blankenship's daughter, and she is an adult. Okay. So yes, that means the two children Don Blankenship was holding in that first ad are not his children. Which Maybe is grandkids. really weird. Maybe they're grandkids, yeah. I just like the idea that he just rented out two children to hold for a second. <laughs> he just went to like random West Virginia families. We was like, hi there, can I uh, hold your children for like two minutes? I just need to film this ad. <laughs> Anyways, uh, here's another ad that is um, particularly evil. Uh, it's called A Leader in Coal Mining Safety. Oh, that's just not true. I enjoyed working for Don Blankenship. In fact, Don's safety innovations made clear that his first priority was safety. Don was the first to require reflective clothing on every coal miner. And our safety training was the best in the industry. We were well paid, we had great benefits, and we never had to worry that our check would bounce. I encourage every West Virginian to vote for Don Blankenship. I'm Don Blankenship, candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Don Blankenship for U.S. Senate. So that one's not great. <laughs> um, I don't have a ton to say about it the way I do about some of the others. It's just, it's really chilling the way he gets the people he exploited to then be like, no, actually, it was good. <laughs> well, you can also always find at least one person to vouch for you for a political ad. That doesn't mean that they, by and large, supported him. Yeah. But here, here, this next one is really grim. It's called Chad Neal discusses UBB truth. UBB is Upper Brick Branch Mine, the mine that exploded and killed 29 people under his watch. I worked in the coal mines for nearly 20 years. The Obama administration blamed the Upper Big Branch miners for causing the mine to explode. But that's not true. The miners did their job. I know because I worked there the shift before the explosion. Don Blankenship is right. MSHA investigators should apologize to the miners' families. Don is also right that MSHA can no longer be allowed to investigate itself. Vote for Don, and he will make miners safer. I'm Don Blankenship, candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Don Blankenship for U.S. Senate. So MSHA is the Mine Safety and Health uh, Agency. Uh, It's basically OSHA, but specifically for mines. Uh, So he's essentially saying that the government actually should apologize to those miners' families because they killed them instead of Don Blankenship, who who actually killed them. Who just displayed blatant disregard for any for any rules. Yeah, who just blatantly violated safety rules. Um, That that one hurts to watch because it's like it's a guy who literally worked it like some of the people who died were probably his friends. And he's so fucking like fuck like Q pilled. Not Q, but like he's so in the like right wing media ecosphere that he's like, no, actually, Obama did it. Like so alienated from the concept of class struggle that it's inconceivable that his boss maybe screwed him over. 
not even it's just class, it's really grim not even alienation from the concept of like class struggle but just like alienated from like i guess like his own self-interest yeah like the basic reality of your self-interests under capitalism which are against the interests of your boss but also like again you can always like find one like you can always like find someone like somehow to vouch for you yeah but the fact that this guy exists depresses me uh, I, I do really like, though, that says, do you believe Obama or Chad? I really enjoy that. That makes me happy. Not happy, but laugh. Who, uh, yeah, we all love those Obama-Chad uh, dichotomy memes. <laughs> the virgin in Obama versus the Chad, Chad Neal. Chad Neal, if you want to come on the podcast, let us know. Uh, I don't want him. I don't know anything about him. I assume <laughs> he hasn't done anything crazy, has he? No, I don't know. He just Maybe he'd be fun. Regardless, here's the next ad. It's called U.S. Government Killed 29 Miners. Quite simple. MSHA victim Grover Skeens wrote before he died, I like working for Massey. But before Grover was killed, he also told his sister he was concerned about MSHA's ventilation changes. And U.S. prosecution witness Bill Ross testified he had begged MSHA not to take the UBB belt air away. Despite Bill's begging and Grover's concerns, MSHA's Joe Mekoviak proudly emailed his friends, I picked a fight with Massey. I denied their UBB ventilation plan. All 29 UBB miners were MSHA victims. Yeah, th- this one's really grim because it's like... Yeah, no, you, he's just, he's basically saying they rejected his plan for ventilation, which is probably true, because his plan was not good enough, hence why there was an explosion. Yeah, I was gonna say, he, like you said, wasn't there, weren't the methane levels way too high just because The methane levels were illegally high, yes. Yeah. And that is what caused the explosion, because methane is flammable. Yeah. We don't know exactly what fire started, what was the source of the explosion, but we know it happened because of methane in the air. Like, you know, maybe someone flicked on a cigarette lighter. I don't know. Could be anything. Yeah, it could be. It could have just been a freak accident. I have no idea. But it was because of illegally high methane levels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I also really like that on this video, I'm being recommended Linkin Park's Numb music video. I'm not really sure how that's related, but I it's being recommended to me. Are you going to listen to it? No, not right now. I have a podcast later. I mean, yeah, maybe. All right, this is, I think, the last one. Let me actually let me check. Yeah, all right, this is the last one. God, how the many other are one there? Isn't that good? Huh? Oh, there's so he ran so many fucking ads. I just picked the most interesting ones. Gotcha. Um, this one is called My Enemies. Franklin Roosevelt once said, "Judge me by the enemies I have made." Don Blankenship is asking voters to do the same in judging him. Barack Obama put Don in prison for a made-up misdemeanor charge because Don told the truth about UBB. Hillary Clinton then campaigned in West Virginia saying Don got off easy. Obama and Hillary are Don's enemies because Don stood strong against the war on West Virginia when no one else would. I'm Don Blankenship, candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Yeah, so this one is, he's quoting FDR to uh, basically be like, actually, it's good that I killed those people because Obama punished me for it, so therefore it's good. Also, he did not stoop as low as I thought he would, I will say. What, what were you expecting? Uh, I was expecting uh, more Soros references. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'm sure if he did it now, there would be more Soros references. Yeah. But no, he's more fixated on Obama. Yeah. Also, I'm realizing I forgot to explain the cocaine Mitch thing. Basically, Mitch McConnell's father-in-law owns a shipping company, and one of their boats was caught with a lot of cocaine on it. There was no investigation. I didn't really look into it because I didn't have time. Uh, I can't say whether or not the company, so I won't say whether or not the company is actually involved in cocaine trafficking, or if this was just like some rich guy having a party and he got caught. Um, the narcotics trade will definitely come up again on this podcast. Maybe, we'll, Maybe I'll look into it again then. But the shipping industry is known for uh, some corruption, so it would so you know who knows. So I'm not going to totally rule it out. Regardless, um, the Fox News really didn't like Don Blankenship. Um, they aggressively pushed back on his candidacy. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to say what he was running for. Fuck me, <laughs> he was running in the uh, West Virginia Senate primary in 2018, the Republican primary, to run against Joe Manchin for the general 
Uh, Joe Manchin is quite conservative, but he is a Democrat, so Republicans were looking to pick up his seat. Yeah, especially because it's a very red state. Yeah, exactly. Um, And this is kind of the Shakespearean tragedy of Don Blankenship. He's a product of the Fox News era. He denies climate change. He's anti-abortion. He's anti-gun control. He's vehemently anti-union. He's against any government regulations. He shares all their positions. And he's exactly the kind of bombastic, bomb-throwing moron that Fox News should love. He's constantly getting into trouble for saying insane things. He's racist. He blankets the TV. He blankets the airwaves of ads. Uh, he sues anyone who says anything bad about him. He is very Trump-like, so they should like him because they created him just like they created Trump. And yet he went against their interests, so they had to crush him. I, I actually disagree with that comparison to Trump. The media, I don't think, created Don Blankenship. No, I think Don Blankenship, uh, maybe not, because maybe because maybe he was just like this always in the 80s. And also, like, most people don't know who Don Blankenship is. Everyone knows who Trump is. Everyone in West Virginia knew who Don Blankenship was. That's where he was running, so. Yeah, but he also just had a lot of money to air the ads. Yeah, no, he was already a well-known figure in West Virginia well before this because yeah. of all the money he spends on political races. Yeah, exactly. And because but... of the Upper Big Branch Mine explosion. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't really him being a creature of the media, though, as much as just his uh, fuck-ups getting attention. No, that's true. Yeah. Well, all right. Maybe my... What, so, what's your paradigm of Blankenship? Uh, it's, they don't dislike him because of policies, just because he would make them look bad. Yeah, exactly. That's, because he that's would a vote, better he way of putting it. He wouldn't vote that differently like from most Republican senators. No. But he says cocaine Mitch, which makes them look bad, and China people, which makes them look bad. Yeah. Um, this is the, the, he went on to lose the Republican primary. Joe Manchin went, ran, won re-election. Blankenship tried to run as a third party candidate for the Constitution Party. Uh, he was denied ballot access because of a sore loser law in West Virginia that says if you lose a primary for one party, you can't run in the same race for a different party. Which I do not like. Yeah, in a way, that's a violation of his First Amendment rights. So, free Don Blankenship. Hashtag three him up. That was not what I was going to say next, but... Yeah, no, that's what you were going to say. We love Don Blank. No, we, we do no, not we love Don Blankenship on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he got 19.97% of the Republican primary vote, in case you were wondering. Behind Evan Jenkins and Patrick Morrissey. How much and Patrick this last Morrissey ad got? is called Sabotage, and it was after he ran as a write-in candidate in the Senate race. How many write-in votes did he receive? Less than a thousand. Americans know our elections are being sabotaged. In 2018, President Trump, Senator McConnell, and Fox News sabotaged a U.S. Senate election. Here's the proof. Fox News Chairman Rupert Murdoch sent this email to his executive, both Trump and McConnell appealing for help to beat former mine owner. Anything helpful, but dumping on him hard might save the day. The former mine owner was U.S. Senate candidate Don Blankenship who was leading the race. When questioned about the email, Murdoch gave the following sworn testimony. You used the word helpful there. You meant that it would aid in defeating Mr. Blankenship in the primary. True? That's what President Trump said. All these Fox ads suck. Fox beat Don Blankenship yes, by airing do. the following false statement. What's it for manslaughter? Like, like, some of them are weird, and the but guys some of them are just Being a convicted felon. Wait, I mean, we, we got a felon. Don Blankenship has never been sent to jail for manslaughter or convicted of any felony. Why fight for democracy around the world while our own elections are being sabotaged? I gotta say, the graphic of Mitch McConnell dressed like he's a narcos with thanks for playing Don kinda goes hard. (laughs) Like, props to whoever on McConnell's graphics team came up with that. It kinda works. Uh, On Blankenships, yeah, whichever. His graphics team, by the way, is I don't think it's very good. This again, this pr- the production value of these ads is not very is not very well because they blew all the money hiring a guy who knows Photoshop to do the thanks for playing Don ad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that ad basically states that Fox News, Trump, and McConnell colluded to cr- make Don Blankenship look bad, and that's pretty much true. Uh, because yeah, he went against their interests, so they squashed him. Like it's not. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, that's not illegal. (laughs) It's shitty for a media network to just be directly the propaganda organ of the Republican Party, but it's not illegal. (laughs) And then Don Blankenship ran for president. He did. In 2020, he ran for the Constitution Party president. Uh, Would you like to guess whether he got more or less votes than Kanye West? 
less. He did. He got about 8,000 fewer votes le- than Kanye West uh, with just under 60,000 votes. So Kanye- uh, if you happen to be a Don Blankenship voter in 2020 or know a Don Blankenship voter in 2020, please email the podcast at runningonapostpod at gmail.com. I would love to interview you. <laughs> if you happen to know a Don Blankenship voter, tell them to email the podcast, please. And that'll be our next episode. We just interview you. Uh, his running mate was William Moore, who I'm assuming was the son of Christian identity preacher Jack Moore, but I can't be sure. I'm going to assume he wasn't. Okay, that's fair. Moore is a common last name, so. Is it? Yeah. yeah I've Moore. never heard of it. Okay, uh, maybe not. Maybe I won't say his dad was a Nazi then. Okay. Is it M-O-O-R-E? M-O-H-R. That's why I think it's probably okay. him. Because how many, pe- do you think there's two people with the last name M-O-H-R who are involved in fringe right-wing politics who aren't related? I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's possible, but I doubt it. Big. Co- I mean, it's a big country, 300 million people. It's Yeah, it's possible. And uh, that's the story of Don Blankenship. He killed 29 people, at least, destroyed the lives of countless more with his wanton degradation of the air, water, and soil, and he served a year in prison for it. I can't really put a bow on this one like I usually do. Uh, I can't say he died in a funny way, because uh, he's still alive, and he's still very wealthy. Uh, <laughs> All I can really say, do your best to instill a sense of brotherhood in yourself and others, because there's a lot more people like us than there are people like Don Blankenship. All right, so that's it? Yeah, I got nothing else. All right, I'm Gabe. And I'm Rose. And this has been Running Unopposed. See you next week, listener. See ya.